The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. John chapter 10, we're in a series right now called I Am. Somebody say, I Am. am. And we've been looking at these seven I Am statements of Jesus that are found in the book of John. We've already talked about the statement, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. Last week, we talked about how he is the door of the sheep. This week, we're going to talk about the I Am statement, I am the good shepherd. Look at the person beside you and say, Jesus Jesus. is a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And I I believe God's going to show you some stuff today. That's really going to bless you, really going to minister to you today. So let's pray and then let's jump into this. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful for your word and your presence. Thank you that we can come together. I'm so grateful for this church, that it is packed. I thank you right now, Lord, that you're speaking to some hearts in here about moving to Saturday night service in Jesus' name. (laughs) But we come to you right now. We thank you for your word and I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, we know that we're here. We've congregated together as as your people. And it says, where two or more are gathered together in your name, you're there, so we know you're here. Uh, your word says you inhabit the praises of your people. We've praised and worshiped you, so you are here, and you're ready to speak, and you love us. And so I pray, Lord, that you would minister to each and every person in here an individual message to them. I pray that this would not just be a, a message that is caught by the flock, but it would be caught by the individual person. So, Lord, we, we ask you that we leave today different than how we came in. What we know not, we pray you would teach us. What we have not, we pray you would give us, and what we are not, we pray that you would please make us, and we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for what you're going to do today in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. 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 Look at this verse with me. This is Psalm 100, verse 3. It says that we are his people, and the sheep, somebody say sheep, Sheep. we're the sheep of his pasture. And this concept is woven throughout the entirety of the Bible, this idea that, that God is a shepherd and that we are his sheep. Now, if you study sheep, one of the things you're going to discover about sheep, and, and this will sound familiar because this relates to us, is that sheep are very needy. Sheep are very needy animals. And how many of you know we can be a little bit needy as people sometimes? Can I get an amen? We can be a little bit needy. And, and it's actually interesting. You can take it a step further. It really, when you start to look at sheep, um, sheep are kind of pathetic, Bible says we are sheep. <laughs> and they really are. They're kind of pathetic. Like no one ever looks out into a field and sees a sheep like standing on a rock, you know, with the wind blowing through its wool. And we're like, dang, that's an impressive looking sheep. Look at that thing. It's so regal. No, you don't think that about a sheep. Sheep are not that impressive. Sheep are not very strong. Uh, sheep are not very swift. Like the whole idea of counting sheep and them jumping over a fence, that's not a thing. They can't jump over a fence. In fact, they say if you try to count sheep when you're trying to go to sleep, it'll actually keep you up because it's so hard to imagine them jumping over a fence. So don't count sheep, okay? Do something else. But but they're not. They're not swift. They're not strong. They're not, like, they're, they're kind of pathetic. And they're, they're not very good, like, when it related to, like, predators. Like, they, they have no defense mechanism. If a predator's coming after them, it's over. Like, there's no, they're not going to be able to fight back, fight off the predator. It's over. They're going to die. All right? Sheep are pathetic. Uh, sheep are, are directionally challenged. Like, if a sheep gets lost, it cannot find its way back home. 
and not and, and here's part of the problem it doesn't know it needs to <laughs> so it's lost and it's like cool i don't know whatever it doesn't even know it's just out there it's just doing its thing so they're directionally challenged they can't clean themselves like you're not going to see a couple sheep out in a field bars of soap rubbing each other down or even like a cat will like lick another cat. They don't do that. Like they're just, when they get dirty, mangy, they just dirty and mangy. Someone has to help them. Uh, and then here's another thing that's interesting about sheep is sheep produce burden daily. Like they, every day they grow wool and this wool can become a burden that can weigh them down and cause them to stumble and fall and, and keep them from the life that, that they're called to live. And so sheep are needy, right? In fact, I found this picture this week. Guys, throw that up there for me. This is a sheep without a shepherd. This is a sheep that was got away from the flock, got away from the shepherd. He was lost for a couple of years. Now, typically, if a sheep gets lost, it doesn't last very long. But somehow this dude was able to survive, uh, but he didn't thrive exactly. He didn't do so well. When they found him, he, he had 60 pounds of extra wool on him. Normally a sheep has at the most about 10. He had 60 pounds. When they shaved him, they found underneath this very frail, pathetic looking, weak sheep that was just days away from death. Now I want you to look at that image. I want you to burn that image into your psyche right now because listen, that's a sheep without a shepherd. And the Bible says, we are sheep. So listen, if you don't have a shepherd and you don't have the good shepherd, that's what you look like. That's what your life is going to end up looking like if you don't have the good shepherd in place in your life. But the good news is you have access to a good shepherd. And he wants to be with you. He wants to meet you in the areas of your need. Look at this. John chapter 10, starting in verse 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. So notice right off the bat, there's a, there's a thief here, all right? I have come, Jesus is talking, that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So notice the difference here. There's a thief who wants to destroy you, but then there's Jesus who wants to give you abundant life. Verse 11, here it is. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. And that's what Jesus did, right? He gave his life on the cross for us, his sheep, his people. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep. So notice, if you belong to God, he owns you. Like God ain't, you ain't rented by God, right? You may have rented a car before. You don't treat a car you rent as good as you treat something you own, right? So, so God, he owns you. He loves you. He wants to treat you well. But look at this. It says, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. So there's a thief, there's a wolf, it's the same one, it's the devil. The hireling flees because he's hireling and does not care about the sheep. So right off the bat, I want you to notice there's a thief, there's a wolf who is looking to do damage to the sheep. He wants to get, he wants to infiltrate the flock, he wants to separate the sheep, and he wants to steal, kill, and to destroy them. First uh, Peter 5.8 says that we, as, as the people of God, we need to be sober, we need to be vigilant, because we have an adversary, the devil, who comes as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It doesn't say who he can devour, it says who he may devour, which means he's looking to gain permission to devour you. He's after you, he wants 
to get you. He wants to destroy you. So I want you to think about this for just a moment. Imagine if I was to come to you today and I was to say, hey, there is a thief that's in your neighborhood. And he's not just a thief. He is a murderer. And he is a child molester. And he is the worst. And he's in your neighborhood. And this guy is not like he's been recovering from this. Like this guy, as, as, uh, like yesterday, like an hour ago, he was doing this kind of damage to families and to homes. He's a, he's a bad news guy. And he's in your neighborhood. If I told you that, you're going to be sober and you're going to be vigilant. And you're going to go back to your home and you're going to close up your windows and you're going to close close up your doors. You're going to lock your home down. You're going to lock things up that you care about, that you love and protect what is precious to you. You're going to get out your guns, your weapons, whatever you got. You're going to call the police. You're going to do everything you can because there's a thief, there's a robber, there's a wolf, there's a lion in the neighborhood looking to destroy. So get this church, get this. He's looking for who he may devour. He's looking for people who have open windows and open doors. So with that in mind, guess what? We ain't got time to be walking in unforgiveness. We ain't got time to be getting bitter and upset and holding on to grudges. We ain't got time to be walking in jealousy because when we do that stuff, what we're doing is we're opening up doors in our life and we're saying to an enemy who's saying, who can I devour? We're saying, you may come on in, do what you want to do. So listen, we got to lock this stuff down because there is a thief, there is a robber, there is a wolf, but the good news is there is a good shepherd. There is a good shepherd. His name is Jesus. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. Jesus says this. And I know my sheep. And they, and, and they know, uh, and I and, and, and am known by my own. So they know him. So he, know, we, he knows us and we know him. Want to help people know God, right? Verse 15. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. There it is again. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I, will, I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, so the first thing you got to recognize is I'm a sheep. Okay, look at the person beside you and say, I'm a sheep. We're, we're sheep. we got to recognize that. And so here's the good news. Because I'm a sheep, I'm grateful that there's a good shepherd. Because as a sheep, I'm needy, and I'm pathetic, and I need some help. And there's a good shepherd who wants to help me in my areas of need. That's what a shepherd does. A shepherd looks after the flock. He looks after the sheep and he cares for them and he provides for them and he, he, he helps them in their areas of need. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down this morning. The level that you thrive at as a sheep is dependent upon the quality of the shepherd you have in your life. I'm going to say it again so you can get it. The level that you thrive at as a sheep is dependent on the quality of the shepherd you have in your life. And I want you to know something. There's a lot of things and a lot of people and a lot of voices that want to be a shepherd in your life. But there's only one good shepherd. There's only one. Anything else, if it's not Jesus, it's not the good shepherd. So if you're putting your, your trust and your faith in something else to protect you, something else to lead you, no matter what it is, if it's not Jesus, it's going to let you down. Because there's only one good shepherd. Listen, the government of the United States of America and elected officials are not a good shepherd. If you're trusting in the government of this country that we live in, and I love our country, but if you're trusting in the government to, to be your good shepherd, to lead you and guide you and protect you and, and all that kind of stuff, you're going to get let down. If you're trusting in, in a family member, if you're trusting in a friend, listen, if you're married and you're looking at your spouse to be the good shepherd in your life, you're going to get let down. Marriage is great, but they're not supposed to be your shepherd. And listen, you're not supposed to be your shepherd either. 
You can't be your own shepherd. So get rid of that arrogant thought that I can shepherd myself because you cannot do it. And if you try to do it, this is what you're going to look like. Throw that sheet back up here, guys. This is what you're going to look like. It's coming. There it is. That's you. This is you without the good shepherd. So we need the good shepherd to be in place in our life. So, so what does it mean? Like, what does it mean to have God as our good shepherd? And what does that, like, how do we put him in that position? And, and what does it really mean to put him in that position? Well, the good news for us is we have an entire chapter of the Bible dedicated to this called Psalm 23. It was written by David. You guys know David. He's the guy who defeated Goliath. And, and at the time that he wrote this, he was actually a king, but in his younger years, he was actually a shepherd. And so he's reflecting on lessons that he learned as a shepherd that point to, inspired by the Holy Spirit, how he's worshiping God and praising God and give us revelation into the heart of God for you and what God wants to do in you and through you. So look at this with me. This is Psalm chapter 23. And I want to encourage you with this. You need a little challenge. Here's a challenge for you. I want to encourage you to memorize this chapter, like put it to memory to where you can just say it, where you can just speak it. It's, many of you maybe already know it, but if you don't, I would encourage you like this week, spend some time working on getting this down where you really know it. And you say, I just don't know if I can do that. My eight-year-old did it a couple weeks ago, so I know you can do it, all right? Psalm 23, look at this with me. And I want you to really think about this with me, and we're going to unpack it together. Look at this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely. Somebody say, surely. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And man, there's some awesome stuff in here today, and uh, I'm going to try to unpack as much as I can over the next few moments, but I also want to encourage you to, to spend some time studying this yourself this next week, because uh, as much as I'm going to cover, I'm going to leave a lot of meat on the bones. Like, you could literally walk through this almost word for word, and there's so much revelation in Psalm 23. But here's what it means for the Lord to be your good shepherd. I've got three points with three sub points. So get ready to take some notes, all right? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What does that mean? Well, a good shepherd, number one, here's what a good shepherd does. He provides. A good shepherd provides. Psalm 23, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, if you've got a physical Bible with you, I want you to underline is and my. Is and my. The Lord is my shepherd. David said, the Lord is currently. Like, he doesn't say the Lord was my shepherd. The Lord can be my shepherd. At seasons, he's been shepherding me. He says he is. This is the king of the Israelite people declaring in this moment my dependency for my life and the trust and the protection of my life and the leading of my life. It is on my shepherd. And he is currently in this role in my life. He is my shepherd. God wants to be your shepherd, currently wants to be your shepherd. And he is my shepherd. Notice that he's my shepherd. He's not just the shepherd of the flock as a whole. He also wants to be your personal shepherd. Yes, he sees everybody, but he also sees you. Yes, he knows about everything that's going on, but he also knows about what's going on in your world. 
He knows the number of hairs on your head. He loves you. He's for you. He wants to help you. He is my shepherd. So if you're taking notes, write this down. God wants to be my personal right now shepherd. God wants to be your personal right now shepherd. He wants to meet you in the area of your needs. It says this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That word want, if you really study it in the Hebrew, it actually means I shall not lack. So get this. If the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not lack. That's what David is saying. If you put Jesus into this position in your life where he is currently your personal shepherd, then, then he's saying in your life you're not going to lack what you need. Because that's what a good shepherd does. He meets the needs of the flock. He takes care of them. So God wants to be your personal God who tends to your needs and has you perfectly covered. Verse 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. So the first thing that the good shepherd wants to do is he wants to provide for you. That's what that's all saying. He's providing for us. He's meeting us in our needs. So how does he provide for us? Here's the first way he provides for you. He makes. He makes. Look at this with me again. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He makes. Now something interesting I learned about sheep this week is that sheep don't lie down very good on their own. Sheep are kind of scaredy cats. They're, they're skittish. They're very flighty. And they, there's kind of this, this knowing that they have that they can't really defend themselves, that they can't really protect themselves. By the way, the Bible says you're a sheep. There's this recognition they have that they can't take care of themselves on their own. And so because of that, sometimes the littlest thing can just totally freak them out and send them running. And so they don't lie down like they're on alert a lot like they're afraid like you know a bunny pops out a bunny and they they're scared like that's a sheep so they don't lie down very often in fact the, it, it, they, they say that if you see a sheep lying down it's because that sheep is is its needs are met perfectly like it feels safe it feels full it feels supplied and listen a lot of times they say when you see a sheep lying down it's because it's close to its shepherd because when it's close to its shepherd, it recognizes he's got me covered. He'll take care of me. I'm, I'm close to the shepherd, so I'm protected and safe. But the shepherd knows that those sheep need to lie down. Because just like, remember, you're a sheep. We need to lie down from time to time. We don't always rest well, but we need to. This kind of reminds me when my kids were little, uh, we would take them to Disney and if you're new at this and you've got young kids and you're planning a Disney trip, I'm going to give you some incredible insight that will change your life, okay? So we're taking kids to Disney. There's something that takes place at Disney. Listen, it, they say it's the happiest place on earth, and it can be, but it can also wear your butt out if you're not careful. <laughs> Disney will beat you down if you are not prepared. And, and your kids, like, there's so much fun, but there's so much emotion and excitement that if you, if you don't rest, if there's not a point during the middle of your day where you pull away and you take some time to rest, your kids are not going to make it to the end of the day. But there's stuff that takes place at the end of the day, like late at night, fireworks shows, and there's water shows. There's all sorts of incredible parades and things that take place at night that, that you want to get your kids to, but if you don't pull away, they ain't going to make it. 
And so what we would do is we would get our kids to the park as soon as the gates open, because when, especially when they're little, they wake up at four o'clock in the morning anyway. So why not be there when the gates open? We get there early, first in line. We can get a lot done early in the day. And then about lunchtime, we have our lunch with them. And then after that, we pull away and we go back to our, to our resort. We go back to the hotel and we make them take a nap. And let me just tell you, they don't want to do it. Like when you're like, hey, we're going to leave Disney now and go take a nap. They're going, no, what's wrong with you? And just like, listen, just like us, sometimes we don't know what we need. Like they're kids, they don't know. They can't see what's coming. But we can see it as parents. We know a little bit better than they do. And so we know they need to take a nap. So we take them back to the hotel and we create an environment where they can rest, where they can get what they need. So we pull the curtains closed. We turn on fans to drone out all the noise in the world. We put them in the beds. And then sometimes dad would lay down by some of these kids and I'd actually put my arm on them, not to pin them down. I ain't pinning them down. Kind of pinning them down, but not. But just my presence with them and my arm on them would cause them to rest and we get a nap in them, and then we go back to the park, and everybody's rejuvenated, and we can make it to the end of the night happy. And if you've been to Disney, you'll see those parents that didn't do this. <laughs> and they're walking around with their kids, and they hate their spouse. They're looking at each other like, why did you do this to me? And they're dragging a kid behind them who's just a mess, and that kid is melted down, and it's 6 o'clock, and they are done. And you're looking at them going, take a nap. Need a nap. Okay, so here's my point. Here's why I share this with you. God looks at us in our life. He sees us blowing and going and moving at this rapid pace. And he recognizes, hey, I want to take you somewhere good, but you're never going to make it there if you don't rest, if you don't get close to the shepherd and lie down. So what does he do? He makes you lie down. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying like he pins you down. <laughs> he doesn't tie you up. Do bad stuff to you. I'll make you rest here. You're sick now. No, no, no. What he does is he creates an environment so plentiful, a green pasture, still water type environment, so plentiful with what you need to rest that you cannot, you cannot deny it. Yeah. It's kind of like this. If one of you was to come up to me after church and you were to say, hey, I wanted to do something nice for you and Pastor Sarah, so I got you tickets to Hawaii. <laughs> and uh, the flight, it's all taken care of. And I've got you in this resort, and I've paid for all the food. It's all taken care of. All you got to do is show up at the airport tomorrow, and, and you can have a week in Hawaii. Guess what? In that moment, that person made me lie down. Because <laughs> I promise you this, I don't know what my week looks like next week, but the calendar's about to change. <laughs> because there is a plentiful pay, place of rest and, and, and that I'm going to go to. I'm going to make a way. I'm, I see it. I see the value in it. And so I'm going to do all that I can to get there. You see what I'm saying? This is what it means. He makes this environment, this place for you. The question is, do you see it that way? So what's the place? Here it is. You ready? It's your quiet time. It's in your quiet time that you're able to get close to the shepherd. It's in the quiet time that you're able to get into the word and the eat of the green pasture. It's in your quiet time that you're able to, to take a moment and worship God and engage with him and, and to drink of the peace of the still water. It's in your quiet time. My question is, do you see the quiet time like you would a trip to Hawaii? Because see, in order for you to get there, you got to go there. Like he makes you. He doesn't make you in that. He makes you rest. He makes an environment, but you got to go to the environment. 
The sheep that were resting the best were the sheep that were close to the shepherd. How did they get close to the shepherd? They got close to the shepherd. They moved to a place close to the shepherd. Are you moving to a place that's close to the shepherd? God wants to provide for you. He wants to make this place where you can find rest, but you have to choose it. You have to choose it. So he provides by making us lie down. He makes an environment. He makes a place of rest available to you, but you have to choose it. Listen, I hope that you've enjoyed this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting and engaging with God and, and getting into our, our workbooks and spending time with the Lord and doing what we've been doing, but, but it's not time to end that. It's time to continue to engage with that so you can go to where God wants to take you this year. Amen? Here's the second way he provides. He restores he restores. Verse 3 says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. You know, life has a way of kind of crushing us sometimes. Sometimes in life, it can just feel like, like the squeeze is on, you know? Like stuff is weighing you down. Circumstances are weighing you down. And it just feels like the, the weight of the world is on your shoulders. It may be a circumstance you're dealing with, it may be a relationship you're dealing with, it may be just a problem that you're facing, but you ever felt that way before, like kind of you're being crushed like anybody else but me? It happens. And when that happens, listen, it's not like you're physically being crushed, it's that you're being crushed on a soulish level. Your mind, your will, your emotions, it's, it, that's where you're being crushed. So it's interesting, when you study sheep, sheep have this problem that can take place. It's called a cast sheep. And a cast sheep uh, is a sheep... That, that gets knocked over and can't get back up. Like sheep have this, you know, they're, you look at a sheep sometime. Like they got these tiny little legs and little, little hoofs and their body's kind of robust. And then they, they grow this burden daily. And so sometimes a sheep may be out in the field and they get tripped up on something and they fall over and they can't get back up. And so they're just over there like kicking and they, they're stuck. And when that happens, the shepherd doesn't look over there and be like, like some of us would be, dude, look at that stupid sheep. Let's watch it kick for a while. Like some people are mean, but that's not the shepherd. He's a good shepherd. So he doesn't like go, Hey, figure it out. Like maybe some of the other, like figure this out. You, you know, no. What does he do? The good shepherd would go over to that sheep that's cast and he would pick that sheep up and he would place that sheep on a sturdy ground, set it back on its feet. And, and then he would also, if the sheep is overburdened, he would shear off the burden of that sheep so that sheep can now move freely and lightly the way it's supposed to. Listen, God's a good shepherd. And maybe you find yourself in a place today where something's knocked you down. It doesn't feel like you can get back up. And you find yourself feeling like you're kind of, you know, flailing around trying to get back on your feet, but you just can't in your power do it. I want you to know the good shepherd wants to help you, but here's what you've got to do. Yeah. You've got to call to the shepherd. God, I need help. I, want, I need your help. I, I'm, I'm struggling here. And here's what he'll do. He'll come to you because he loves you and he's a good shepherd and he'll pick you up and he'll set you on solid ground. He'll set you on the rock of Jesus. He'll set you on the rock of his word. He'll give you firm footing and if there's things that need to be sheared off of you, he'll help you get that stuff shaved off so you can move freely and lightly into all he has for you. He provides for us by restoring us on a soulish level. Here's the third thing he does. He provides for us by leading us. He leads us. Another interesting thing about sheep is sheep... Uh, if not led into 
new pastures, they will continue to eat the same ground until they eat it to where there's nothing left. Like they will eat twigs and grass. They'll eat the grass down to the roots. They will, they will just work on a field until it's dust. And so what a sheep needs is it needs a shepherd to lead that sheep to a better place, a good place where they can graze well. And so that's what the shepherd does. Now notice, it doesn't say, look, let's look at it here. It says, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. He doesn't, notice it doesn't say he drives us. He's not behind you kicking you. Come on, you dumb sheep, get going. He doesn't do that. He leads us. How does he lead you? That means he goes before you and he calls to you. So because you know him, he goes before you and you can know you can trust him. And because you know his voice, he recognizes his voice, you follow him. But listen, you got to follow him. You got to know him and you got to follow him. Because if you don't, you're going to get stuck in ground that can't supply for you what you need. God wants to take you places where you can be sourced, but in your own strength and your own ability, you're going to keep gnawing up the same ground until there's nothing left. So we got to listen to the leading of our good shepherd. John 10, 27 say my, says this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they know me. So sheep have a lot of issues. Sheep are a little bit pathetic, but one thing the sheep are pretty good at is they're good at recognizing the voice of their shepherd and they're good at following. I read this story this week about in Israel in the 1980s, there was kind of this Palestinian uprising that was taking place and, uh, and the people, the Palestinians were kind of rebelling against the Israelite people. And they, they weren't paying their taxes. They were, they were living in, in the land, but they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And so as a way to kind of punish them and try to get them in line, they decided to take the sheep from them. And so they confiscated all these sheep and put them into this, this big pen. And it was just kind of a way of punishing them. Most of them, the sheep were not their like, main source of income. It was, just a, it was a revenue stream for them. But there were some people that the sheep was like their main source of income. And so one day this lady shows up and she is a widow. And she shows up where all these sheep are and she says, I, I need to get my sheep back. I can't survive. I'm a widow. This is all I have. If I don't have my sheep, like, I'm not going to make it. I'm, I'm going to die. And I've got 25 sheep in here, and I need to get them out. And the guy running the pen goes, listen, lady, even if I could help you, I don't know how I would. Like, when we brought these sheep in, they weren't tagged. I don't know which sheep are yours. How do I know that you're not just going to go in here and pick out the best 25 sheep and, and steal somebody else's sheep? Like, how, how do I know what to do here? And the lady said, well, my sheep know my voice. If I call them, they'll come. And he was like, I seriously doubt it. Like, there's hundreds of sheep in this pen. Like, but, but I'll tell you what, if you can get your sheep to come out, your 25 sheep, if you can call them out, you can take them home. And so the lady goes, okay. And she goes over to this fence and she lets out her specific call that her sheep know. And they said it was amazing. All of a sudden, 25 little sheep heads just popped up. <laughs> and they started looking at each other like, yo, Lambert, that's our call. <laughs> I think Margot's calling us home. It's like time to go. And they said it was amazing. Out of all these sheep, a bunch of them never paid any attention, but there were 25 sheep that looked up and began to work their way towards their shepherd, and she walked them home with her that day. Why? Because sheep hear the voice of their good shepherd, and they follow. Look at the person beside you and say, you're a sheep. Do you hear the voice of the good shepherd? Do you know the voice of the good shepherd in your life? Because listen, there's a lot of voices a lot of voices in this world. So how do you distinguish the voices of the world from the voice of the good shepherd? 
Okay, if you want to know the voice of God, here's how you get it. Get into the Bible. You want to know the voice of God, you've got to get into the Word. Because the Word is full of the general uh, voice and wisdom and will of God. It's through the Word that you come to know the Good Shepherd and know what His heart is and what His will is for you and the, the kind of heart He has for you and where He wants to take you. And so now that you gain access and wisdom into the general will, now God can come alongside and He can speak specific wisdom to your specific situation because you can weigh the specific wisdom He's given you against His Word and make sure it lines up. See, some of you, you want to hear from God, but you won't get into the Word. So listen, God ain't going to give you a Word until you get into the Word. Because, because he knows if, if he, if he t takes you that way, you can start listening to voices. And you don't want to just be listening to voices. So, so you get into the word, and now you can weigh the word against the word, and you can know which direction to go. But if you want to be led by the good shepherd, you've got to get into the good book. Can I get an amen? amen? Get into the Bible and study it and come to know it. And through his word, you can come to know his voice. If you value the voice of God, and you should because you're a sheep, you got to get into the Bible. you got to study. you got to know who God is through His Word. So Jesus says, I'm the Good Shepherd. And one of the things the Good Shepherd does is He provides. He makes. He restores. He leads. Here's the second thing. He protects. He protects. Look at this. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my, my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. David says here at the beginning, he says, even though I may find myself in a place where I could be afraid, I'm not afraid. Why? Because the good shepherd is with me. One of the great things about having the good shepherd with you is you got the good shepherd with you. Like that's really good news. So what God wants to do is he wants to protect you. And here's how he protects you. Number one, he's with you in the battle. He's with you in the battle. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God wants to be with you in the battle. And when he's with you in the battle, you get all that God is in the middle of your battle. And it says his rod and his staff, they comfort you. They comfort you. Now, a good shepherd would have had two tools with him when Psalm 23 was written. He would have a rod and he would have a staff. A rod was about this foot and a half to two foot long stick that they would carve out. On one end of it, it would have a knot. You guys can put that up there. This is kind of what one of these would look like. On one end, it would kind of have a knot, kind of like a, almost like a little hammer or something. On the other end, it would be sharp. And the shepherd would use the rod to protect the sheep from enemies of the sheep. So if a wolf came out, the, the shepherd would take the rod and he would, he would strike the wolf and he would do damage to the wolf. In fact, some of these shepherds got so good with the rod, they could like, they learned how to throw it where that, that sharp end, they could actually throw it and it would like go into a wolf and kill the wolf. Like they got good with this stuff. And so the rod was used for protection. Then they would have this, this staff. The staff was used for leading and guiding the sheep and for rescuing them. The staff looked kind of like this. It would be about you know, seven feet tall or so, and it would have a hook on the end of it. And so if you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, the, the rod uh, is a tool for guarding and protecting. The staff is for guiding and directing. So the rod is for guarding and protecting. The staff is for guiding and directing. And this is who the good shepherd wants to be in your life. He wants to guard and protect you, and he wants to guide and direct you. He wants to, when an enemy comes against you, he wants to fight for you. 
And he wants to defend you and protect you from that enemy. And then when you find yourself in trouble, see, that hook that they, that they, that they would have with the staff, so, you know, sheep have a way of getting themselves into trouble. Remember, you're a sheep. They get themselves stuck on a cliff. They get themselves stuck in like a bush. Their wool gets all caught up in a thorn bush or something, and they're just stuck there, you know, doing their thing. And, and the shepherd comes along with that hook, and, and he captures them, and he rescues them, and he pulls them out of the situation that they find themselves in. He gets them unstuck. So listen, God is watching over you. He wants to protect you. He wants to fight for you. And he wants to rescue you. When you find yourself stuck, God wants to pull you out of that situation. He wants to help you get unstuck. And listen, this is so important for you to get. He doesn't use the rod and the staff to beat you. Like God's not looking to hurt you. God's not mad at you. He's not trying to pour out his wrath on you. Listen, the wrath of God has already been poured out. It was poured out on Jesus. God's not trying to hit you because Jesus took the hit for you. He's a good shepherd. It says the rod and the staff, they comfort you. I'm not comforted thinking God's trying to smite me. That wouldn't comfort me. God's not trying to smite you. He wants to protect you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He is a good shepherd. Can I get an amen? amen. So he protects us. Here's the second way he protects us. He blesses us in the battle. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, I don't know about you, but I would prefer that God prepare a table before me after he's smote my enemies. Like, that sounds good to me. Let's deal with the enemies, then let's have some dinner, God. Like, let's do that. But God doesn't do that. And here's why. Because as long as you're here on this earth, you're going to be in the presence of some enemies. But the presence of your enemies doesn't scare God. And the presence of your enemies doesn't stop God from being able to bless you. He prepares a table for you right in the middle of the battle. Sometimes God will pull you out of the battle, but sometimes he'll just bless you in the middle of it. So imagine this. Imagine yourself. I want you to see this. Picture this in your mind. Imagine there's a battlefield, and on two sides there are these, these armies, and the armies aren't there to rage against each other. They're there to rage against you. And you're standing out in the middle of that field all by yourself, and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And Jesus doesn't, like, come out and start putting on, like, battle gear. No, no, he comes out, and he starts setting a table and he puts out this big table and he puts a tablecloth on it and candelabras on it. And he starts putting out these big bowls of, of food and there's like fruit and there's meat and there's cheeses. And, and I want you to imagine that, that that stuff is not just food. It's also like the blessings of God. It represents the provision of God. It represents the help of God, the wisdom of God. He places all this stuff. And then he, he, he gets a chair out and he pulls it up beside him and he says, come here, sit beside me. And you're sitting down going, well, I don't know about this. Like, do you see these, these armies? And in that moment, he says, no, no, wait, take another look. And he reveals to you. All of a sudden, your eyes are enlightened. And you see that around you, on this table, there's a bunch of big old angels that are ready to fight. And they're, they're standing guard, watching over you. This is what this means. He prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. There may be a lot of bad stuff going on, but it's right there in the middle of that that God can bless you, provide for you, bring peace to you, because he's got you. Can I get an Amen. He protects us by blessing us in the middle of the battle. And here's the last one. He refreshes us in the battle. He protects us by refreshing us in the battle. This is so good. It says in verse 5, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Now, there are two reasons why uh, a shepherd would put oil on his sheep. And they're both related to problems that can be devastating to sheep. One is this fly called the nasal fly, and the other is this contagious skin disease called scab. 
All right, so the nasal fly is this fly that wants to uh, plant its eggs in a wet, soft place so that those eggs can grow into larvae and become flies someday. And one of the great places that they can do this is in the nose of a sheep. And so they'll fly around the, the head of, of a sheep and they'll try to get into the nose so that they can plant those eggs. And then those eggs will turn into this larva, these little worm-like larvae, and they'll crawl up into the head of that sheep and cause terrible irritation. Drive that sheep crazy. Inflammation and just, it, it just bothers them so much that sheep have been known to actually beat their heads against stuff till they die because they're just so bothered in their head. The other issue is this issue called scab. It's a skin disease that sheep get that starts on their head. And it's very contagious. And one of the problems that sheep have is they show affection to each other by rubbing their heads together. So if one sheep gets this scab, it's very it can happen very quickly that all the sheep can get it. And it's very irritating to them. And so when, when the shepherd sees the first sign of the nasal fly with his sheep, he sees him start kind of trying to get away from these flies. He'll go over to the flies, and he pulls out this balm with linseed oil and tar, and he places it on their heads. He anoints their head with this oil, and this oil drives away the flies. They hate this, this oil. They hate this stuff. So they'll, they go away. They don't want any part of that. And then it brings a soothing relief to the fly in that moment, or to the sheep in that moment. And then if he sees him dealing with it, the first sign of scab, he'll grab that sheep that has scab and he'll prepare a bath for that sheep. And it's a bath with this oil in it and he'll dip and completely immerse this sheep into this oil, head to toe, including their head because that's where it can start. And then he'll put them back out into the flock. Because now what happens is not only does this deal with the scab that they have, but now when the sheep rub up against each other, now they're rubbing the oil up against each other, which actually brings healing to all of the other sheep instead of a contagious disease to the sheep. Now, let me just remind you of something in the Bible. Oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus, the good shepherd, wants to do is he wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit to protect you and to provide for you and to help you. Look at this. Uh, it says this in 2 Timothy 1.14, guard the deposit that was entrusted to you. What's that deposit? It's the deposit of your salvation. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's anything that God has blessed you with through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. We're to guard that. We're to protect that. We're to hold on to that. How do we do it? Guard it, look at this, with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Listen, God has given us the oil of the Holy Spirit. And when the devil comes against you, because listen, here's what the devil wants to do. He hates you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. So he's going to fly around your head, and he's going to try to penetrate into your head and put thoughts and stuff inside of you, worrisome thoughts that concern you and consume you to the point that you want to bang your head against a wall. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to baptize you and cover you, and he wants to refresh you and pour out his love on you so that when the enemy starts to lie to you, the Holy Spirit goes, no, that's not true. That's a lie. This is what God said. This is what the word says. Let me remind you of the truth of God's word. And he wants to baptize you because listen, in this world, there's a lot of people going around that have caught a contagious disease called the ways of the world. And they are more than happy to rub up against you and try to pass that off on you. But when you're full of the Holy Spirit to the point of overflow, when they rub up against you, you don't get what they got. They get what you got, which is the Holy Spirit. Can I get an Amen. We have a good shepherd. He's got you totally covered. He wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. And here's the last thing. Number three, he promises. A good shepherd promises. Look at verse six. It says, surely. Somebody say, surely. surely. 
surely means you can count on it. You can bet your life on it. It's a promise. You can trust in it. Surely, look at this, goodness and mercy shall follow me. That word follow means they chase me. The goodness and mercy of God are chasing after you. God isn't chasing after you in anger. He's not chasing after you with wrath. He's chasing after you with goodness and mercy. And it says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So here's the three things under he promises. He promises you goodness, mercy, and eternal life. That's the promise. So you get all this from God. He's your shepherd. He's going to cover you, protect you, provide for you. He's got goodness and mercy, and he offers you eternal life. That's what the good shepherd has for you. He is a good shepherd. He's not angry at you. He's not looking to pour out his wrath on you. He's looking to pour out goodness and mercy on you, and it's a promise. It's a promise you can count on. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our, the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. He who promises faithful, he's faithful. He's made a promise. He'll be merciful to you. He's made a promise. He'll be good to you. And he's got eternal life for you. And it's a promise. You can bet your life on it. You can count on it. Isn't that good? We have a good shepherd, a good shepherd. He's got you completely covered. And he's so good. Listen to how good he is. He's so good. He became a sheep. That's how good he is. And let me remind you what took place when he became a sheep. Isaiah 53 verse 7 says he was led as a lamb to the slaughter which is what Jesus said in John 10 11 remember he says I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep so Jesus looked at his sheep at one point and he said they're scattered they don't have a shepherd and because they need a good shepherd I'm going to become a lamb and I'm going to go into that world as a sheep and I'm going to lay my life down and I'm gonna die in their place. And now, because I became the lamb, now I can be their good shepherd once again. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.